0: On today's episode of Think Forever, it's a story of generosity. We'll see how one act of brave selflessness can help change the world forever, and that even though humans often judge based on appearances, the Lord always sees the heart. In the scope of eternity, our lives are just a dot, on a line that extends with no end. In this podcast, I tell stories about people who believed that and lived it, so that by looking at their lives, we might better understand how to think forever. Episode 1, Everything is New. The stars had only just faded into the first hour of the day as Simon rose from his bed. Usually, he would spend the early morning on the housetop in prayer while Sarah made him something to eat, but this day, there was no time for an early meal with his wife. Their dear friend Tabitha had passed away the day before, and they would be joining the others at her home to mourn at about the sixth hour. Tabitha had been a wonderful, kind-hearted woman. She was a generous giver, though she wasn't particularly wealthy herself, even making or mending clothing for people who couldn't afford their own. She was also their sister in Christ, one of the first to follow the way when Jesus' disciples brought them the good news of salvation. So Simon skipped his morning meal and said only a short prayer as he plodded across the courtyard to his family's tannery. He liked this time of day. The morning fog and sweet sea breeze would almost wash away the odor of the fat and urine and dung they used to prepare the animal skins for leather craftsmen. Almost. He swung open the doors of the workshop and inhaled sharply— like jumping into the sea in winter better to get used to it all at once. Better to never have to get used to it at all, actually. That is why all the tanneries were beyond the outskirts to the south of the city, so the rest of the thriving port of Joppa wouldn't have to witness the foul process of making their leather. Tanning was not forbidden by Jewish law, but neither was it highly regarded. It left him covered in the stench of death and, therefore, in a perpetual state— of ritual uncleanliness. Simon's father used to remind him that tanning was an incredibly useful profession. People use leather for everything, son, from this apron to saddlebags, wineskins, and armor. The tabernacle that once housed the very presence of the Lord God was leather. One day, the feet of the Messiah will be shod with leather sandals." Simon remembered his grandfather claiming they could trace their lineage to the tanners who made the leather for the tabernacle in the Egyptian desert. That was when he was young, and gullible, and hopeful, and didn't smell like a dead pig. It didn't matter that he owned a thriving business— or gave to the poor in addition to his tithe. To the rest of the nation, Simon and his family had the approximate social status of prostitutes and tax collectors. There was even a separate synagogue in the outskirts for people like him. Of course, that had all changed when he had followed the way. The church was at the home of a wealthy spice importer in the center of the city, and all were welcome, even malodorous tanners. That was part of what drew him to the church in the first place. They were known to be compassionate, generous, and accepting of people from all rungs of the social ladder. The church was meant to be a safe haven where anyone could learn about God's love in Jesus Christ. It is also where he and his family had met Tabitha. As he worked to scrape the remaining hair and flesh from a goatskin... Simon thought of how Tabitha had greeted his family when they first came to the house church. With an embrace. She had given no regard to their status, but saw them as equally worthy of the love God had shown them all. He had welcomed that embrace with tears. A lifetime of hearing he was unworthy even to worship with the rest of Israel was erased with a single act of tender compassion. He would miss her. It was nearly the third hour when Jacob came through the door of the workshop. At thirteen years old, his eldest son was already a good apprentice. He took well to the work and never complained about the family profession. Simon himself had only been nineteen when he had inherited the business from his father, may peace be upon him. But he hadn't had a choice. There had been no money for another apprenticeship when he was a boy. But Simon had been shrewd in business and developed good relationships with the armorists, vineyard keepers, and tent makers who bought his leather. Surely one of them would have taken Jacob in, away from the scorn and the smell. But Jacob wanted to stay. A part of Simon had been relieved that his son would remain, even though it meant a life full of the same struggle he had endured. He found himself affirming Jacob about the usefulness of their profession and echoing his father's stories about tabernacles and sandals. This was not a day for teaching, though. Jacob helped him secure the lids on the soaking vats, then the two headed back to the house to clean up. It required ample time for them to wash sufficiently for any trip to the city, even more to mourn someone they loved. Simon corralled the children out the door. And Sarah packed them all a meal for the road. Dried fish and a few loaves of bread. The same food they had heard Jesus use to feed thousands of people when they were hungry. His family ate and walked and shared stories about their recently departed friend. And Simon wished he had gotten to see those miracles. He believed in Jesus, but how wondrous would it have been to see his signs up close? He would just have to wait until he met Jesus face to face, in this life or the next. Outside Tabitha's house, it was already crowded. Not just by their church family, but all members of the community. Everyone who knew her wanted to honor Tabitha. Because of the mixed company, Simon situated his family near the back of the overpacked street, in the shade of an adjacent building. He knew the church would welcome them, but he didn't want to risk offending the rest of the group. So there they sat, as near as they dare, praying, talking, mourning. Suddenly, there was a shout from the other side of the street, followed by exclamations all around the crowd. He's here, they said. Take him inside. Simon jumped to his feet, scanning the throng for clues to what was going on. Seeing nothing, he ventured closer to the house and asked a man he recognized from their church meetings what caused the sudden commotion. Oh, Simon, he's here. Peter is here. They just took him upstairs to see Tabitha. Peter, the apostle. One of Jesus' closest friends was here. Had he heard about Tabitha's charity? Had he come to commend her to the community or to pray for her family or simply to mourn? After he had gone in, the crowd stood in near silence for what could have been minutes or hours— They held a collective breath of anticipation, waiting to see what message Peter had for them. Then, Tabitha walked out the front door. Gasps of shock and fear and joy flooded the gathering, and those closest to her reached out to touch her arms and head. It really was Tabitha standing in her doorway, smiling. Abandoning all sense of social decorum, Simon rushed through the crowd and embraced her like a son who misses his mother. "'Tabitha, what—how?' Simon asked, unsure how to even phrase the question. "'Simon,' she beamed at him. "'The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us.' She squeezed his hands a final time, then continued through the gathered community, offering thanks and reassurance to everyone present. Simon peered through the open front door of the house and saw Peter talking with Judah, one of the leaders of the church in Joppa. He edged his way into the home, intending only to offer thanks to the apostle for whatever it was he had done. He hadn't gotten more than a few steps into the room before Judah spotted him. Simon, this is Peter, the one who was with Christ. It is a pleasure to meet you, sir. And a pleasure to meet you also, Simon, Peter said. You know, Simon is the name my father on earth gave me as well. The Lord gave me the name Peter only a few years ago. Peter is going to stay in Joppa for a while, Judah interjected. Do you know of any place with room for him to stay? He can stay with me and my family, Simon blurted out before even considering his words. We have the space. The slightest glance of apprehension from Judah made Simon remember himself. Of course. Why would Peter want to stay with him, a tanner? An apostle of the Lord deserved the finest their community could offer, not an out-of-the-way home that smelled like refuse most of the day. I'm sure we can find you someplace better, though, sir. My tannery may not be the most suitable place. It would be my joy to stay with you, Peter said. Thank you for your generosity. Simon shot a look to a nodding Judah Then smiled a short reply to Peter. He hurried outside to collect his family and quietly told his wife all that had happened. They were to host an apostle. The long, dusty walk home was filled with questions and Peter answered them all. He told them how he had been just down the road in Lydda when a couple of members of the church in Joppa had come to tell him Tabitha was ill. He spoke about his time with the Lord and all the miraculous things he had seen. He said that, yes, Jesus had shared meals with tax collectors and prostitutes and touched lepers. The following days were a magnificent blur to Simon. He and Sarah gave their room to Peter and slept downstairs with the children. They shared every meal with the Apostle and learned more about their new faith in those small moments than they could have in years of study. It even seemed like the smell of the tannery waned as Simon labored the long days with his son. Peter spent the days on the rooftop in prayer, and every night he preached. He spoke to small groups in homes and large crowds gathered outside. And many more came to faith in Jesus. It was a new rhythm, one of joy, hope, and thankfulness. On one such blissful day, while Simon was taking a break from his work, there was a knock on the front gate. Who would be visiting here at this hour? There were no orders ready for delivery, and the tanners didn't receive many house guests. Before Simon even reached the gate, he heard a man calling from outside. We are looking for Simon, called Peter. We must speak with him. Simon opened the gate and found three men, two servants and a Roman soldier. He was immediately on guard. What did they want with Peter? Were they here to arrest him? Where would they take him? A thousand questions flooded to Simon's lips, but before he could speak, Peter appeared behind him and laid a hand on his shoulder. Simon watched with held breath as Peter greeted the Romans. "'I am the one you're looking for,' Peter said. "'What is the reason for your coming?' The soldier replied, "'Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel.' to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited them to be his guests. As the Romans unloaded and washed themselves of the road, Peter told Simon that just before the strangers had arrived, he'd had a vision. In the vision, all sorts of food were laid before him, even those which they considered unclean. Initially, Peter had refused to eat the unclean animals— but a voice told him, What God has made clean, do not call common. I was pondering the vision when those men knocked on your gate. The Spirit told me that He had sent them, and I must go wherever they ask. Tomorrow I will leave with them, and I would like to take some of the brothers from Joppa with me to see what the Lord will do among the Gentiles. This sounded like an invitation to Simon. He desperately wanted to go with Peter, to hear more stories about Jesus and see the Spirit work in even more miraculous ways. But no. His place was at home, with his family and his business. He'd treasured the time he'd had with the Apostle, but he wouldn't shirk his responsibility. I wish I could come with you, Simon said, but I will send word to the believers in the city tonight. I'm sure they will be casting lots to see who gets to travel with you. The next morning, those fortunate few brothers gathered outside Simon's house for the journey. They said their goodbyes, and Sarah handed Peter a packed lunch for the road. Loaves and fish, the seaside meal. Peter thanked her, then turned to Simon. Brother, you have been faithful with what the Lord has given you. I am confident that he will honor you beyond what you can fathom when we finally stand before him again. Thank you for your generosity. It will not be forgotten. Simon watched them as they left, full to overflowing of hope and joy. Wherever Peter was headed with those Romans, God was certainly about to do some amazing things. The travelers disappeared over the farthest hill, And Simon finally said, Jacob, let's get to work. A week later, Simon was pressing a batch of pig hides when the doors to his tannery swung open. Judah stood at the threshold, blinking wildly and gracelessly holding his hand over his nose and mouth. Simon laughed. Judah, you're going to need to grow thicker skin if you want to pay visits to the outskirts. I'm afraid if I grow thicker skin, you'll tan my hide, Judah chuckled. Can we go inside? We need to talk. Simon had been waiting for Judah to call. He had been one of the blessed brothers who had gotten to travel with Peter. He quickly washed his face and hands, then crossed the courtyard to his house with his friend. Judah didn't wait until they were seated to begin gushing. Everything has been upended, Simon. The message of Jesus cannot be contained anymore. Peter preached to them, to the Gentiles in Cornelius' house. He told them that no one was to be called unclean again. Not only that, but that God shows no partiality at all. He said that anyone who fears the Lord and does what is right is acceptable to Him. And Simon, they received the Holy Spirit. Don't you see? God, our God, the God of our fathers, isn't just ours. The Messiah didn't just come to set us free. He came to set the whole world free. Jesus came to save everyone. Jews, Gentiles, the whole world. Everyone. Simon sat in silence. Stunned, yes, but also at peace, as if the final piece of the mystery of God's grace had finally slipped into place. Everyone was clean. Jews, Gentiles, Traders and tanners. Are you all right, Simon? Judah finally asked. More than all right, Judah. Simon smiled widely. Thank you for coming to share this with me. Judah didn't stay long. He had more stops to make before nightfall, and Simon needed to finish his work. Simon pressed the last batch of hides and stretched them out to dry all the while mulling what his friend had told him. Then his deep thoughts turned to pure elation and laughs rolled from his belly as he washed himself of the day's labor. He could think of nothing to do but run to the rooftop to pray, the very rooftop where the Lord had given Peter a vision. His own home was an Ebenezer to the victory of Christ. He thanked God and praised him for what he had done in Jesus, and, though he was no vocalist, sang the few hymns he could remember from church gatherings. Jacob found him within moments and burst onto the roof beside his father. Dad, I heard noises. Is everything okay? Simon turned to face his son, a smile and tears of joy upon his face. He placed his hands on the young man's shoulders and said, Oh, Yes, son, Jesus Christ makes all things clean. And he did, in fact, wear leather sandals. Thank you for listening to this episode of Think Forever. The episode was written and produced by me, Joe Mayers. Next week, I'll be joined by John Reinhart, the author and founder of Gospel Patrons, for a behind-the-scenes look at this story of Simon the Tanner. More information about our podcast and live performances can be found on our website, www.thinkforever.org. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.